This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, today I'm joined by Lee Zunas. Lee's got an amazing story. He is a man that is just persistent and resilient. And that has been built up from challenges that he faced in his childhood. And so he's looked at things differently instead of saying, like, why did this stuff happen to me? Instead, he's looking at it. How can this help me grow? What gets better from here? So he's looking at it like in an inverted way, whereas most of us would just be like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? What, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Lee has a different perspective and that's uniquely because of how he's handled it, uniquely set him up for the growth and, you know, like the success that he's experiencing and helping men through their growth and transformation as well. So Lee and I had a chance to hang out at uh, Podcast Movement two months ago, I think it was. Absolutely yeah. amazing time. Uh, my wife and and Lee and Mark Ronick, we just had a phenomenal time. Lee's one of those guys that you can just sit and talk with that is super encouraging, great listener, phenomenal guy. So I'm stoked to have Lee with me today. Lee, how are you doing today, my friend? Mike, I'm doing pretty well. Um, thanks. Thanks for asking. And, and thank you so much for, for having me on, on your show. Absolutely, bro. I mean, you've, the stuff you've gone through and how you've handled it and where you're at now is, is something that was super encouraging me for, for our conversation when we were at the conference. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, um, to be able to, to give this to other men, to be able to listen and find that encouragement, that hope to be able to take on what they're facing as well. That is my hope as well to, to, to be able to connect with other men and, um, and just be of support however I can. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Well, let's jump in. Um, and, and what does life look like for you today on the professional side of life? Yeah. Professional side of life today. Um, <clears throat> I am a, I'm a certified coactive coach was, which is a certain program that I've completed. Um, it's just an, I don't have to go into the details necessarily, but, um, it's just an amazing program gave me everything I, I could possibly need, um, to be a confident and powerful coach. And I have a specialty, which I've taken two courses on, um, which is incorporating specifically microdosing psychedelics into my coaching practice as a medicine and a tool ultimately to, to loosen up. This is loose. <laughs> this is loosening. This is loosening up and and um, and uh, 
kind of loosening up our, our, our condition, our conditioning. Hmm. Um, it helps, it helps loosen, it helps loosen our conditioning and it helps us. I mean, I can get into more details, um, from a neuroscience perspective on that, but really it helps loosen our conditioning and helps us see things a bit more clearly the things that are not serving us, the things that are serving us too. It just what's working, what's not working and allows us to, to sort of see through a lens where it focus, a a focused lens on especially the things that are not working and see them so clearly that it doesn't necessarily require willpower. It just, this clarity just change just changes things and and changes our the way we see things and the and the way we take action so um so that's where I'm at right now professionally i operate i'm in my my home office in the mountains of Colorado and um yeah i'm la- i'm I, I could i can very confidently say i'm 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 living the dream as far as feeling very very purposeful in my life and that's like 180 degrees from where you were at one point so it's like the the lie that we often believe of hey this is who i am you get what you get (laughs) that's all trash um and I just wanted to kind of jump back when you were talking about, you know, like the microdosing. Yeah. So it in essence is removing like blocks, right? As if we almost have blinders on and it, it allows for things that would be resistant to necessarily being seen and gives us clarity onto other side, other stuff that we may not have a full insight to. Right. So stuff that's been hidden, yeah. Um, kind of brings to the surface and other stuff right. that it's just like, la, 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 you know, I don't want to hear it. You can then, you know, like get past that kind of stuff. Correct. Right. Without judgment, it brings it to the surface or what I also say, it shines a light on certain things that might mm-hmm. need attention in our lives or yes, or things that are living with it in us, um, um, subconsciously. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's that's a great yeah. way to to go about things, man. You know, how much do we keep hidden? <laughs> so, yes. Um <clears throat> So, on the personal side of life, what does that look like for you today? So, a f- uh however many years this is now, just only a few months before the pandemic. I think I remember I think I I think we talked about this Um, my wife and I, we were living in Brooklyn for many, many years, each of us, like probably 20 years and just by chance, well, not by chance, actually (laughs) a few months before the pandemic hit, we moved to, so from Brooklyn, New York to this tiny mountain town in Colorado. And I say not by chance because it was, it was I was I was so done, so done with New York City. I love it. Great. The way I feel about New York City right now is an, it's an amazing place to visit. I lived there my almost my whole life. 
And it got to the point, and I didn't really, I wasn't really that aware of this until the very end that, oh, even just thinking about it, I, I like, I, I, I want to take a deep breath because there's so much stimulation there. And I, and I just, I was at my limit as far as what my nervous system could handle. And so we ended up, it was just, that was it. We were both done. We, so we live here now with, um, it just so happens that my wife grew up here and we live on a property, um, bordering a state forest. So we really live in the, in, in, in the forest. Um, and with her father and her sister so we share a house with her with her sister the three of us and her father has this little cabin that's i'm pointing that way it's like i don't know 100 100 <laughs> yards that way and so we all share this property together and so we have a little community here we call it we call it the compound um and and um and we are speaking of the nervous system this nature i'm just i take it in every day it's medicine it's absolute medicine for my nervous system so um so yeah and it's just we're, i'm doing my thing here my wife my wife and i are doing our thing she's an artist um we we're very focused um but we're also really focused on taking care of ourselves um mentally physically making sure we have purpose in, in our life and community and friends. And so I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy. And, and the one thing that's so funny to me is it's like you're in Colorado with the iguana that's behind you on the wall, you know, the painting, man, I keep thinking it's like, I'm going to be talking to you. You're down in Costa Rica. Like, you know, your compound has banana trees, everything else. You're not far from Lenny Kravitz, right? It's like, <laughs> And I go, no, he's in Colorado. Um, but yeah. I get it. I mean, it's a different, it's a different energy. It's a different feel, right? The being in cities will amplify that. So yeah, I mean, being, being in the mountains of Colorado would definitely have a different uh, flow or, you know, a different, uh, a different way to play on your, your nerves and your senses. So yeah, I can, yeah. I can definitely see that. Yes. But I still keep thinking you're in Costa Rica, man. <laughs> see, I'm not a going, I'm like, I'm coming, Lee, I'm going down there. <laughs> yep. Pet the iguana. <laughs> well, let's, let's go ahead and jump into, uh, some of the stuff you faced from your childhood. Yes. So stuttering was a, a big thing. And I think that was from like age six until like mid thirties was something yeah, that it was like, I'm trying you know, to figure you were working out to overcome. Right. I've been trying, I've been trying to figure out exactly when, cause it, it was over. This was a long, long process. Um, yeah, but I did overcome it. Uh, but yeah, probably around age, age 30 or so, or f yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, having worked through <laughs> at 40, somebody telling me, yeah, two of your kids are dyslexic. And so are you, excuse me. Well, that, that explains a lot. So, yeah. so, you know, learning challenges definitely set you up for a different path, a different trajectory in those experiences. Yeah. But you also, I think it was at age 13 
were then um, given the diagnosis of, hey, you have type 1 diabetes. Yes. And so you're a young kid whose body is like, hey, I'm not functioning in the way that I'm designed to, you know, your liver going, Hey, here's everything to, to take care of it. But then you've also got this external part where it's like, Hey, I'm stuttering. And, and I, whether people are, you know, actually seeing you differently, or it's just that thought that we can have where it's like, yeah, I'm not the same as everybody. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those of those have an impact on us. Um, how do you feel like between the stuttering and, the type one diabetes, like how did that impact you in, in growing up at that time? Um, the first word, the first thing and word that's coming to mind is shame. Hmm. Um, at a very young age, I just did everything I possibly could to not speak. I would dread being in class. I would never, ever volunteer, like raise my hand um, to speak. I was terrified. I was terrified to be called on, I'd like try and like, you know, hide, hide my, you know, hide underneath my hand, you know, everything I possibly could, which is exhaust. It's exhausting. It's absolutely mm -hmm. exhausting. Um, and so it also gave me, so there, there was shame involved with that. There was an association of not being smart. Um, and, and then fast forward to when I was 13 and I was diagnosed with diabetes again, there was, even though it's, you know, it's just my pancreas just stopped working. Um, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to, for, to, to, to influence that happening. But again, there was, a, there was shame involved and I, and I would hide, I would hide it. You know, so when I would go to school, I would do everything I possibly could to, to hide it, go to the bathroom to check, prick my finger to check my blood sugar. And so again, I had this other thing now, now that I needed to hide um, and feel shameful about, but I will tell you that those two things and I've, and I've gotten some major clarity on this in the last few years for sure is that they helped me. They both helped me be with my sense of, of awareness and my sense of self, my sense of self-awareness. And I'll explain how with the stuttering back then i remember going to a speech mythologist mythologist and she would um give me exercises and they would be mostly about intentional breath work so always to take a deep breath before i spoke because it was very grounding so I practiced, I had lots of time to practice. I would practice and I, so I would always take a breath before I spoke. So I had this practice of connecting with my breath. So mindfulness from, mm -hmm. from, from a very young, young, from a very young age. It's funny. I actually just 
saw myself like i feel it it still lives in me a little bit i'm like i just saw like a little bit of a, st a stutter and it comes up when i get nervous hmm. i'm just bringing that i'm just being you know i'm just bring i'm just just thinking out loud right now yeah just kind of letting, letting you know where where i'm at and then i noticed that so anyway i had this this practice of mindfulness and being in tune with my breath and i meant and and so i practiced this for many years and then being diagnosed with diabetes with type type 1 diabetes when i was 13 um i had this an, another thing to be aware of which is my blood sugar so chip pricking my finger eight time eight anywhere from six to ten times a day this this relationship this very close relationship with my blood sugar and how and if my blood sugar was rising how it felt in my body and if it was you know if, if my blood sugar was was low i would have to eat some sugar or drink some juice and it would feel like i would feel shaky so i had this practice of connecting and being in tune with my body so those two things, yeah, I had, I carried a lot of shame with it, but I'm realizing it also, if we're going to look at, if we're not going to be, a, if we're going to, if we're going to look at what, what's the learning, uh, like what's the learning opportunity. And believe me, there, what, this was pretty only, as I mentioned, only within the last, like, I would say like five to 10 years that I'm realizing, wow, okay. Like I've developed, I'm kind of like an expert at mindfulness from these practices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The things that we go through and grow from, um, and we often, what's that? No, I was just repeating. I was just, yeah, no, that go through and go through and grow from. I don't know if I've ever actually heard, yeah. heard that before. Well, I mean, it's like you, you went through that experience, right? There's, there's no way to avoid the fact that it's like I'm pricking my fring, my finger eight times a day. Yeah. You know, we're hyper aware, mm. like, you know, when like for you, it was stuttering. For me, it was like, oh my God, please do not call on me to read out loud in class. Because with the dyslexia, I'm like, I hope this word that I'm saying it is, is what it is. And my brain would just get ahead. And so it's like, wow, I skipped over three words. So as a child, it was like this horrifying thing. But we can either look at it as like, oh man, that sucked. And I absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm never going to read out loud or like you were doing, you work through it. You look for those opportunities of how can I persevere through this situation? You know, if, if I'm having problems with my, my finances, how do I go to someone who knows finances right. and learn from them instead of like, yep, I'm now 80 years old and still struggling with finances instead going, Hey, I'm 30 and my parents didn't teach me this and I didn't learn it in school, but I know this is a skill I need. You know, this is something, a hurdle that I want to get past. 
Mm. And that's what you did. And so from that, one of the skills you learned, like you talked about was mindfulness, dude, that mindfulness was not something that for me, it was like, you know, Hey, I've got mindfulness 101 in college. <laughs> that wasn't there, no. but it's something that you, what's that? That wasn't happening when we were, yeah, we're about the same age and no, that, that was not, right. you lived, you lived in like an, in like, like an ashram somewhere or an intentional community where that was really present. No, not in my life. For sure. Yeah. Now I could have learned underwater basket weaving, but not <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I mean, it just depends on what what was offered. For me, that wasn't part of the uh, you know the classes uh, that they offered the curriculum there. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those like you've got a saying, and I'd love for you to share it. How you re reframe stuff and invert it instead of like, hey, I'm a victim. Why did this happen? You're looking at it in a totally different way. Would you share like the phrase that you use to kind of reframe situations you encounter? Sure, sure. Um, it was actually get. I have to say this this phrase was sort of given to me by a friend um, because she noticed that I I and I wasn't necessarily trying intentionally doing this but it was the phrase is how and, and it's actually it's how can this get even better hmm. so so it's a it, what it really is it's a practice of um not necessarily you know being grateful but it's beyond hmm. being grateful as far as um it's the intention of connecting i'm looking up right now like 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 into the un like into the universe like it's it's the intention of when i'm saying how can this get better i'm speaking to the universe and i'm calling upon the universe to assist me to assist right. me to support me and so even though I may feel grateful and satisfied of where I'm at, at a particular time, especially if I'm not feeling grounded or grateful, it's just a practice of how can this get even, the even part is, is in relation to assuming that things are good, you know, things, things are actually pretty, pretty damn good. And, but how can it get even better? So oh, really opening up so the possibilities are endless. And then opening up like I don't know why this is coming to me but just let's just say you're at we're at we're at a hike and we're having this beautiful hike in the mountains and all of a sudden you know and and you and I look at each other and we're just like this is amazing like so gorgeous like our blood's pumping we're getting exercise and then like how can we this get any even better and a bald eagle just flies by or a moose comes by uh, stuff like it's that's a one example but that can be applied to many different areas in life right yeah and and that's the thing it's like you're looking not just at the situation on a high level but you're also looking for like the details in those things 
Um, and maybe I misunderstood it. I correct me if I'm wrong. I thought you were also using it for like when a tough situation would come along to say, um, Hey, how can this get even better to almost reframe and set it in a different way rather than woe is me or, you know, why is this happening to me instead uh, to yeah. look at it and go, how can I use it? Am I wrong or are you using it in that way as well? Honestly, the way it was, the way it was created by my friend was that she was observed. Yeah. I think we were just, we were, be, we were feeling so grateful <laughs> that, but we still wanted to, it was almost an experiment to see how, how good this can get. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, honestly, it's less about, it's less about looking through life through like the lens of, of being victimized. Um, it's less about it. it I mean, the truth is it, it was less about that, the way, where that phrase came from. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a way of an enhancing and increasing your gratitude for what you're experiencing, right? While it's a great hike. Oh my gosh, there was the bald eagle. There was a bear. Fortunately, the bear didn't come after us, but <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got to see a bear. You right. know, <laughs> I don't want to be a track star, you know, <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's let the bear be on the other side of the river, <laughs> but it's super cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I get you. Well, and so you went through those things. How, how did you then as you know, you're growing up, you're getting into your twenties and, and your thirties. Mm -hmm. How did those, now that you can reflect back on your past, what you've right. gone through, how do you see that the, the shame and like not feeling like you're smart enough that, uh, you know, there's that anger, that anxiety, how did that stuff play out in your adulthood? Um, kind, kind of impacting your day to day and, and the path that you're on. Yeah. It kept me in a very status quo, like safe, safe, quote unquote, safe place. Um, there were mo there were times where I would test test myself to see what my what I'm I was capable of, but honestly, there was so much anxiety that it almost I'm thinking of a particular time where so a guy who had a stutter and um and I guess the di the type 1 diabetes has had le less to do with this but I've always had this curiosity and passion about acting for acting so in my mostly in my 20s and early 30s and this is very interesting with acting because I was memorizing the lines. I never stuttered. Really? Yes. So it was a, it was, so all is it the line memorization that was kind of different in I knew what I was rather than thinking the response up? Yes. So there wasn't anything I didn't have huh. to think. All I had to do was remember the line. So I already knew what I was going to say. So I didn't, and you know, now that I, we're talking about this, maybe that was 
part of a level of because I, I was I was really surprised. I thought, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I have so much anxiety, but I still, you know, like the obstacle is the way I I, right. I walked into the fire or whatever. And for many, you know, public speaking or getting on stage is it's a big it's like one of the big things that people w- get anxious about. And here I am sort of walking into the fire with it and I'm realizing, oh my God, like it's not like I was almost, I did an experiment without knowing I was doing an experiment. And, but the problem was I also, there was so much regardless of whether, and you know, just remembering my lines and just the, this, this anxiety. So it almost wasn't, it almost wasn't worth it. I loved it so much, but it all, but the anxiety almost just didn't make it worth it. So I think I started to like, there's a quote that I really liked that I really liked that I learned about a year ago. And it's a ship in a Harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are, are built for. Right. And so I felt like I've been, I felt like I was living my life in the Harbor and I was part of um i worked with my family we had a family business and so i was in this sort of safe bubble um and i just uh i think that kept i think my the fear kept me in the safe place where i think i was bored hmm. and I did not feel connected with purpose whatsoever. I didn't, I don't even think I knew what, like what, even what that meant, you know? So, um, so to, so to answer your question, I lived, yeah, I was, it, it was just, it, it was really, I was carrying around this anxiety and, and fear and shame. And um, it's still, played out as far as me feeling i mean well into my 20s and 30s not feeling comfortable speak just just speaking in groups or oh forget it like when i was in a a networking group or some kind of thing where you're all in a circle and you're hi my name is lee and i freaking terrified like so terrified for those kinds of things but there was a certain point where i think i just started i continued to walk into the fire or like you know take this leg and move it forward and take this leg and move it for like literally take my hand my hand and move the legs forward so i'm walking i'm walking i'm walking or i'm diving off the diving board or whatever the metaphor might be and i think over a period of 20 some odd years I started to gain confidence. I just started to gain, but look how long it took. Yeah. But the other option is what continue on that same path. Well, you know, I mean, you took the harder route. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I will say my ex-wife, um, we were together for 12 years and she was amazing as far as, her support 
and serving as a mirror for me to let me see that the stutter, the type 1 diabetes, it was almost like she served as a mirror for me to see that I don't necessarily have to feel shame. Other people are not necessarily thinking what I'm thinking. So I just want, yeah, uh, she played a major role in that. And she really opened up my eyes to loving myself and to giving myself a break. And, um, and that, that actually very much contributed to my higher level of awareness and, um, and my relation to how much shame I was carrying around with me. Hmm. So it's, it's almost like, uh, sounds like you learned grace and love for yourself. And like, that was the stepping into, um, you know, your mindfulness and how to, how to grow from there instead of, you know, so often we'll hear people say who I am is who I am. This, these challenges or these struggles that I've gone through, they define me and they limit me for life, which nothing can be further from the truth. It's that belief that, Hey, I'm going to be held at this level. Yes. But like you made that decision, Lee, Hey, I'm going to handle this differently. You know, is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it comfortable? No way in the world, but you're now living out a different life than where you were before. I mean, you said, you know, I didn't feel like I was smart enough. I felt shame. I was angry. Um, you know, all these negative things, right? You're suffering with anxiety that, you know, keeps you from, from stepping into the things that you're passionate about, right? We play small in those times. Yeah. Um, as you've done that hard work and you've stepped into those uncomfortable places, how have you seen, you know, those things fade away and be replaced with what you have now? Like what opportunities have opened up because you did say, no, I'm not going to keep stay where I'm at. I'm not going to continue to believe this. I'm, I'm going to choose to see myself differently. What have you seen open up for you from that? So from taking those steps, even though they were fearful and putting myself into situations that I know was just going to amplify my anxiety, but I just, my, my innermost authentic self just knew that knew that I don't know how else to say it, but that this is the way. And when I say the way, the way to grow, the way to, to growth. And I guess I was ultimately now that I'm looking back, my one of my greatest values in life is just feeling peace. Feeling inner just feeling inner peace, which is the opposite of anxiety and stress and shame and all that stuff. So once I started to prove myself wrong that I was in to to prove myself wrong that I was not that 
like that I was smart, right? Even though I had this conditioning and this story that I wasn't, once I started putting myself into situations and taking acting classes, doing things that are a little, little bit more creative, um, certain things like that, I I proved myself wrong. Meaning, I was started to build my level of confidence, and like I was actually surprising myself, and then. Lo and behold, as that started happening, the stuttering just started to fade. And along with the stuttering, the obsessive thinking about am I am I stupid? Am I do I sound like, you know, am I going to stutter? Am I it just started to get more quiet. So I would say like throwing myself into those situations. And also along with, I was a believer in therapy and I started also realizing at a certain t certain age, when I start feeling alone with something and it starts really weighing me down, that is an indication that I need to, that I need support, that I need to at least just call someone and say, <clears throat> I don't even need you to say anything. I just need to you to know that I'm going through this right now. So not being alone, it sounds so simple, but not being alone <laughs> with something is so, can be so freeing. Yeah. So how did you go about creating relationships around you to be able to make that kind of a call because when you're in that place yeah. it's it's not like the easiest thing to do there's still those those doubts those you know beliefs that it's like oh, i don't want to bother whoever you're going to call eh, i can you know you you'll be like buck up you know you can get through this without making that call <laughs> How did you build the relationships around you to be able to make those calls to say, Hey, I just need an ear to, to have somebody know that I'm in this place. Well, honestly, I didn't know what else to do because it felt what I was feeling was so, it felt so heavy. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Um, that also I'm just remembering the heaviness translated into not only anxiety, but depression in the way, in the form of feeling paralyzed. And I, I'm going to say most of the action that I took was I mean, I did in very intentionally select a therapist that actually we were we were right around the same age, and he was and he was actually um, he's type one diabetic also, and that was that's that was his special that was his specialty, and he was diagnosed when he was eight years old. So I very sel selectively chose him 
as my therapist. So I would say like, I chose people that I felt like would, could relate to me. Um, and then I think I always just had this feeling like if I don't do something, I'm, uh, I I don't want to see how deep this can go. I don't want to see how deep this, this spirals down into an abyss. I don't want to see the bottom of the abyss. If there even, I don't even know if there isn't a a bottom of an abyss. I, I think that's the point that there's no bottom, but, um, but I didn't want to go there. I, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to explore that anymore. Um, so I felt kind of desperate. So, and, and then I honored, I honored that desperation. So the word honor has really the word like honoring our core values, honoring what's happening, honoring a feeling, honoring allowing, honoring, accepting, surrendering, all that sort of, it just made sense to me. And I trusted, I trusted it. I trusted that I needed support because I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. So whoever, to whoever's listening, you know, that, when you're at a place, I, I would, from, you know what, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything for anyone to, for, for what they should do, but I, I can express what I did was that I got to a desperate place and I did not know what else to do. And I trusted, I trusted the, 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 the structure of therapy and also people in my life that I trusted to, that had a, were at a, had a certain level of emotional intelligence that I knew that would be able to listen to me without necessarily trying to show up to fix anything. I I just needed to be listened to. So I wasn't alone with it. That was the first step. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm curious because for me, this was something I didn't realize in the midst of it, Lee. But like, if I was facing a challenge, right, just like we've talked about, you know, you going, Hey, I, I'm stuttering. I want to get up on stage, but you know, here's X, Y, and Z that, Mm -hmm. um, are reasons why I shouldn't Right? there. There are fears that I have. I don't know about you, Lee, but I built those fears up from what would have been like a, a lean to it, a camp or a tent into like you know, the empire state building, they became larger than life, yes. which became the wall that kept me to play small. Yes. Um, and as I did stuff, I found out they weren't, it was just like, you know, we'll see in the cartoons, you know, a light against a mouse, but the mouse looks gigantic. Right. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. did, did, okay. So did you find that things that you thought about those fears that you had were larger than life, but when you took action, they were actually manageable and much less than you anticipated. Was that something you found as well? Quite honestly, not really. I mean, they were pretty, I mean, I have to say that 
there was a reason why I almost it, like when I said that it almost wasn't worth it. Like I was hovering around this this place, especially with acting, where le- leading up rehearsals, learning my lines, um, <clears throat> all that stuff. It really never. It all. It, it was always stressful, but I want. But I wanted it so much. And this is another thing. So I wanted it so much that I did it anyway. And yeah, that required bravery and courage on my end, literally to like, you know, we all have our, we all have the the fire. That we all have it. We all have the fire that we, that we, are afraid to step into. Um, but I didn't, and this is another common theme that I, that it really has stuck with me is that I did not want to have any regrets. I don't want to look very often some, and yeah, maybe this is a little bit based in fear, but I look back, I look, I, I imagine myself, uh, whatever a, you know, I'm on my, on my deathbed. Right. And looking back and, I don't want to have any regrets. So I still, to this day, um, COVID threw a little bit of a monkey wrench into my acting career and also not being in New York city or in LA is, you know, makes it a little bit harder, but this is still living in me that I do not want to have, I want to experience and like give it my all as far as, getting up on stage and just having that experience because there's just something burning inside me. I, I, I feel it. I know it. It's this, it's this note, you know, you said earlier, you use the word that there's an, you alluded or use the words like a knowing, like you knew, I know. Mm-hmm. And when I, and when we know that is, that is usually a sign that we are connected to our, to our self. And when I say our self, I mean, when our conditioning is quiet, that's, I believe that our most authentic self, our most true self, our inner leader, whatever the opposite of the saboteur is, the inner leader, that it's always present. It's just being weighed down by our conditioning. And as you said, our limiting beliefs and our stories and our, our conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once we let those go by the wayside, it's almost like you, uh, you know, have nitrous oxide or (laughs) you got rid of a lot of stuff. You're not driving a moving van. Now you're in a a Maserati or something, you know, it, it it changes the way you get to play on stuff. And also, and also what for me is there is peace and freedom and confidence and and love and clarity i know that i'm operating from my most authentic powerful self my inner leader when all of those things that i just mentioned are present confidence clarity love yeah yeah. And there's peace about it. Peace. You don't have that uneasiness, that, that feeling of anxiety like you had gone through before. Right. Um, 
Dude, Lee, there is so much to unpack around all uh. this because of the, the change that's gone on. Um, and yeah. And you know, if it's, it's one of those that, uh, you know, you're still stuck with beliefs mm-hmm. that, Hey, I can't change. Dude. I feel like you, you're almost like, you know, the, the poster man, right. Where it's like, no, you don't have to be where you were. The things that limited you are only limiting as long as you accept them and buy into them. And you're the one that gets to vote on this. So, yes, we, uh, no, I, we, when you, and when we say we are the one that gets the vote on it, it's, it's ourself, our, 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 that inner leader, that's who gets to vote on it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent, man. Well, Lee, how can men get in touch with you outside of the podcast here today? Yeah. Um, well, my website is an easy way. Um, LeeZunisCoaching.com. LeeZunisCoaching.com. And um, I would say that's the easiest way. There's a, there's a form on there to reach out to me. And there's also a scheduling, um, a scheduling platform to schedule a free consultation. I, I'll give a, it, I'll give, I, I give a, a free consultation to anyone who's, in, who's, who's interested and wants to have a little, a little space to share what's going on. And, um, yeah, I'll do any part of my mission is to do everything in my power to support anyone that wants to feel and connect with that, but that's with ourself. And there are many ways to do it. Well, Lee, man, I appreciate that. It is super generous of you to put that offer out there. And, you know, it's oftentimes that first step that is the hardest to make. So thank you for, for putting that offer out there to like, see, Hey, what can, what can Lee help to, you know, provide insight into of what I'm experiencing and bringing about change. Hmm. Dude, thank you again, Lee, for, for sharing like the experiences you've gone through, how we can transition And, uh, again, like we talked about, we're the ones that get to make that decision. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Oh my God. It is my honor and my pleasure to be, yeah, I, listen, we could have got, I I could go on for hours talking to you. (laughs) I know that's where I was like, Lee, we have just scratched the surface, man. Well, Lee, I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you very much. Likewise, buddy. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one. <laughs>